0: Listening to the Dr. Claude Kirchner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirchner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. A lot of us, I think, are entrepreneurial in our own endeavors, whether it be on our team or in our family or maybe in your personal lives or hobbies. So I think the the term entrepreneurship is very universal to a lot of different industries and practices and and trades. Um, And I think twofold, what's going to be nice is that we can interview my father on the subject of entrepreneurship, but we can also interview him about some of his past experience so that you guys can get to know him a little bit more. Because I think there are some people on the call that just maybe don't know the story of you know, who he is and kind of where he came from in his professional past. So, yeah, just a quick bio um, my father's originally from Pennsylvania. He has four kids. Uh, he grew up in a large family. He has seven brothers and sisters, so he's one of eight. And his father is also an entrepreneur. He was um, a person that really started a business out of the back of his car, kind of um, cliche, but definitely happened. He worked in the office supplies and office furniture business. This is his father's also named Claude uh, for well over, I would say, 40 years um, and established a very uh, very highly successful company. And he had six of his children working for him, and one of which was my father. And my father was the president of the company for a while. He didn't start out as the president, and I'll let him kind of share that. Um, and then, you know, after that business was sold, he, um, moved to Bethesda, Maryland for a little while, worked in a corporate company, um, left uh, on a severance package. And then about five or six months later, with his 13, 14 year old son, moved down to Florida and purchased, um, a landscape company, then purchased a pool construction company, and then purchased a pool. Um, cleaning and pool repair company kind of within about two or three years. Um, and then grew it into what you guys are experiencing today. So that's him professionally. I, I guess more of his, um, resume virtues. He's a wonderful father. He's a caring man. Um, he went to Lehigh University as a, um, studied business. Um, he definitely is a man of integrity and, um, he loves his, his family and the people that he works with. Um, and certainly does that in some of his service. So, dad, welcome. Welcome to the, the interview. And we're very happy to have you. Um, based on what I said, maybe you can give us a little bit more history on your beginnings as a professional and working with your father. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. In 1978, um, graduated from college and I didn't really want to work for him. I wanted I was interviewing with a, an elevator company and, uh, you know, three or four people that were set up, you know, um, outside of the, you know, the senior, um, interviews area. And, he said, you gotta try my business. They had 20 employees total sales were three quarter of a million dollars, maybe a million dollars. And he was making a living from that. And, um, I tried it and I went in outside sales and I, it wasn't motivational to me. I, I was 21 years old and I wasn't working so hard as he wanted me to work. My father was a very hard worker and, um, he, said i want you to come inside in the office and, and that's where i found my calling where people were depending on me to uh, be there before them and stay after them and set up systems um, we we grew to um, 35 million in sales uh, 36 years later um and i'm sorry i was with my father 18 years and um we sold in 96 my father was 36 years in business and i was 18 with him and um I we set up I set up purchasing systems and we were picking office supplies from shelves and selling office furniture. We were selling used office furniture and we grew those um, uh, those three divisions really um, office furniture, office supplies, and and, and used office furniture. Uh, and we had offices in Pittsburgh, down in Delaware. We sold it to a public company in '96, um, and my father cried at the settlement table. Uh, he wanted to sell it to the kids uh, or. $2, three four million dollars and he sold it for eight million plus all the bank debt and he, he split that amongst the kids and, and I was very motivated by working as a party team people were counting on me and um, we had 25 sales people and I was really the sales manager um, and president. and um, uh, I enjoyed that an entrepreneur going back to that I had so much time to prepare for this club. text me at 10 o'clock last night did you do this I' falling asleep I said sure. But an entrepreneur is, is a person now that entrepreneurship is risk-taking. It's setting up a business for the chance to make profit while assuming mm-hmm. risk. But for me and for my father, um, my son and I got in a trailer, got in a uh, four-year-old uh, explorer with a trailer. He was in eighth grade, and we drove down to do due diligence. Mm-hmm. On a six hundred thousand dollar business, that was their sale, six hundred eighty, and we didn't. I didn't own it, and I figured I would take a job as a waiter if we didn't go through. So you go into due diligence, and you bring somebody with you, an accountant, and you go through the books, deciding whether you want to take the risk or not. Um, Your uh, the concept of a leader. You say, first of all, how, how can you all be leaders? And there's only one leader here. No, there's a bunch of leaders here. You all are leaders. You all are entrepreneurial in the different things that you're doing as you are leaders. But the risk is something that you, during due diligence, you investigate so hard, you try and eliminate as much of the risk as you can. And when the person auditing business with me says, after two days of looking at their books, if you don't buy it, I'm going to, I put my pen down and say, where well, we've arrived. So we bought that business, took some risk. You do without for a while while you pay other people. Um, you have to certainly have some money and I had a partner and a 50-50 partner in that business. And then of course went back and bought a small pool business, bought another pool business, taking risks. So um you know, Claude entered um, uh, at Palmer Trinity came down, finished eighth grade in DC, came down in the trailer with me as an eighth grader, started to ninth grade here in Miami and uh, the rest is, is entrepreneurial history. I still look at it as a small business. I did a great interview um, last night of a young person who wants to be part of the business. And um, he's young, and I, I, there's just no reason why this business can't be 24 million, you know, three, four years from now. we're set up now with the branding and the building and the market. Uh, the competitors fear what we're doing. It would take a viable competitor. 10 years and they have to go through trials and tribulations to to even approach, you know, the the diversity and the market share and the penetration that we have in in all these areas. So I'd rather, maybe that's enough of an intro. um, Yeah, that's good. I I have a bunch of good softball questions for you.
0: So that, that was amazing to hear that. Thank you for sharing. And I think you touched on one of the ones I wanted to kind of dig more into um, you talked about risk, you talked about adversity, you talked about um, calling, but I think to start off, I'm interested and also for the people on the call, when you said you found your calling and you kind of took a little bit of, you know, going through the woods to find that, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think maybe some people on the call know they found their calling and some people are still trying to refine themselves um, to try to take advantage of their calling. Can you can you tell us more about your calling?
1: Well, for me, it was uh, when I talked to young people who were across the country or in Philadelphia or wherever i I, I talk about geography um and and where you want to be um and and i wanted to be here in in sunshine and and have summer all year round um i used to cut uh, my grandmother's grass my 10 year old my mother would send me over there she had a push mower and i would take the scissors and cut through the edging and i enjoyed the landscaping and pools are beautiful i see the satisfaction out of uh, blake and jeremy and josh Uh, Sergio, when they put water in a pool and you are like, wow, this is a, you know, six month effort, sometimes three year effort and the satisfaction of seeing such a beautiful thing, uh, but we were building pools in, you know, Tennessee, it, it's some remote, you know, you can't find people that want to spend money on their landscaping and they, they want to clean the pool themselves. And, you know, here, no, nobody, there's so much opportunity for young people. So it, it happened to be a match between where I wanted to live and the abundance of Targets that would appreciate what we do. So I don't think any of you can make four calls and get you know four rejections on on what you're offering. It's just a numbers game, and I just think it's it's pinnacle target. And this would be the, the calling um, of creating paradise in, in a target-rich environment in a geography where I used to want to live. <laughs>
0: so. The we talk a lot about mission at Reef Tropical. I'm curious at CB Kirshner's. Did, did you guys have a mission or what was, what were some of the goals and the missions of that company when you were leading it?
1: So my father really just, you know, worked hard and, and he, he had core values that, that shone through. He never met a stranger. He was a heck of a salesman. Um, and just, you know, we he, he would just lie. It's just not acceptable. And we just moved on and, it was, well, even, I don't think we have really accept had a core value other than service. We next day delivery on stuff, um, desktop delivery. And, you know, it was very trend setting stuff that's, that that people do today. You know, all the time we were unique in offering, and people appreciated it.
0: Yeah, that's good. So now, as a business owner, you know, you went from really being an employee with your father, and then you transitioned to a business owner. What? I mean, this, you can think about this, but what are what do you consider the
1: biggest failures, or what would you do differently today? I probably wouldn't have partied so much in college. Probably would have paid more attention in college. Uh, I um, probably um, I, I i went as a math major and ended up in business because I like the cold beer and other vibrations. Um, lost maybe four or five roommates because I used to go to the library. And leave the fraternity, and they just couldn't resist because someone kept coming in the room. Let's go downstairs. So I, you know, I got decent grades and, and got out of there, but I, I would have done more there. Um, I don't think any, anything else there. Um, here, um, no, I always felt that a partner was someone who brought things to the table that I couldn't. And I've got a, a bunch of partners here on the call. Uh, now, and, and I had muscle Post as a partner, I don't, you know, ended up writing on it a very painful process because he was a mentor and advisor to me and, um, it ended well, but the process was very painful. Um, I don't think I, I, I probably would have tried to, to do that differently to, to avoid the pain, but you know, that the pain is, um, uh, is, is part of the growth, you know, I, you know, I had, up to 10 years ago, somebody else owned half this company. And now, you know, my son and I own the whole thing, and we can really control that. I'll probably try to get in this building earlier, you know, or something up here. But this building just, you know, I'm still doing the partner thing with them. Um, this building was a stretch, you know, I had a $2 million building, we were looking for something for half a million or seven fifty, And, you know, I, I was able to find uh, Kevin to, to do that. I'm going to have dinner with him tonight. And uh, he was interested in investment and um, partnering with a pool company. So
0: that's good. Yeah. That, um, thank you for that. I mean, we very strategically, we've kind of seen how you transition from employee to business owner and some of those key moves. And you mentioned partners and finding the right partners. But I'm curious what do you look for in an employee? Somebody that's going to work for you. What are the key attributes that you desire most of them?
1: Well, I struggle with that and I try to surround myself with people who are better at that. And, and, and at, at CB Kircher, I had a I just, she was a director of purchasing there and she was really good in interviews. She's like, no, yes, no, she was really good at that. So a team energy, and I, I look at everyone as, wow, look at this potential. Everybody's got potential. But so quickly after 90 days, I'm like, so oh, I look for in the first 90 days, it would be ambition, uh, creativity, resilience. Problem solving, you know, asking questions and, and, and discernment. Uh, of course, the core values is you know, there. You know, you, have, you can't really tell core values if this is someone that you can tell in the first ninety days how they conduct themselves. So, hard work, integrity,
0: uh, resilience. Uh, have you ever have you ever turned down a client or a customer?
1: And if so, why? <laughs> mean to our staff. Um, it's it's hard in this environment where if you're a, if you're a property manager and you only need thirty accounts and there's there's a, a thousand of them out there, it's easy to tell someone work your your book your folio your this or that. God bless us. I mean, you lose money at someone, but you know, in pool construction, we'll will help anyone who comes in. They, they keep coming at you asking for help, and no, we, we just really don't turn around anymore. We just mean to the pool cleaner. We, we're sorry, we, we just can't help you. I mean, that's that's more the rarity, but just mean to the people who work
0: uh, what do you to what do you attribute I would say that you would be a successful entrepreneur considering you still have a business that's profitable and staff members that are serving what do you attribute from your personal life um your success to what are some of the things you've done consistently that you say wow that's probably why and where I am
1: my father used to say I'm a very I'm a very lucky guy the harder I work the luckier I get I would add that the integrity part in there, um, I think my parents gave all the kids the resilience, you know. I mean, the resilience would be the one word that I would say that my parents gave us, that we are being tested now on everybody on this call. Look the resilience, look at what people have gone through already, and look at this uh, move to uh, anarchy and socialism that's around us and what we're going to go through in the next, um, you know, two six weeks, you know, three years, that the, the taxation burden. Adjustment we're going to have to make. Um, this world resilience would be the one thing that I would wish on you uh, to, to you know, just feel like getting up this morning and just take that first step and the second step, and then geez, you could have the best business day. And just, you know, here, if you're in this beautiful geography with all these customers out there, show up to work and, and God will bless you with that call to, to get you pumped up in that opportunity. Keep, you know, keep plugging. I would say resilience would be the one thing that, you know, God's plan on resilience about the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. That's good. So two more questions, and then I'll
0: kind of open it up for some other people to ask questions. I think one that definitely was a burden for me prior to starting working for you, and sometimes it even is today. But um for all of us on this call, we don't own the business. So when we come to work and we face the challenges that are are very apparent... Um, and we have to endure. There's frustration involved there. How can you encourage us from when you were working under your father and you had to face those similar challenges? What were some of the things that you did and, and how, how did you continue getting through those difficult conversations and those um, testing opportunities with clients or that kind of stuff when you weren't the business owner?
1: I want go back a little bit to leadership and, um, you know, use, Mike is an example or Linda is an example. You look at out of that beating and see those six mechanics that are counting on you. That is owning the business. That is leadership. That is entrepreneurialism. They're counting on you because you don't have to lay them off if you don't have that resilience and pick up that phone and make that phone call and ask for the business because they're not going to have work. And trying to get the extra you know, $200 so you can pay them instead of 14 15 16 17 $18, get them up, pay their 401k, pay their health care, because you're asking for extra money, because you're asking for the order. I would look underneath you to the people that you're leading for the motivation. Each of you have people that you're leading, You know, and you know, Ashley has these pool cleaners come in and want to tell that customer exactly what you like to tell them, but you can't because these guys need that revenue by cleaner and you need that account or you're going to have to you know they're going to be working four and a half days and, and or they can't afford the raise I want to pay people above an average wage and give them benefits and move them along they also have the opportunity to be paid like a like pair like the best pool cleaner they can run their route and the customers can love them and they can take their pool clean for 200 to 260 because customer loves them well, amazing
0: answer and I think that we can all relate to that. And I, I do believe that that's what a lot of us do. And um, it's, so, it's so nice to hear you say that, Dad. Thank you. Alright, last question. If you were to give advice for somebody that is an aspiring entrepreneur that's just starting out, that is looking to start a business or is thinking about doing something within their community, whether it just be organizing an event or whatever it is, what, what advice would you give them for someone starting out? And is about to step into the, the whirlwind, if you would. And maybe touch a little bit about the entrepreneur roller coaster
1: in that in that question. You have to have the hard work and the resilience of the thing that we talked about earlier. Um, and then be in a geography where it's a target rich environment. And if you're bobbing for apples and there's two apples in the barrel it's supposed to full. So those things are lining up, you're you're actually taking risk out of it. Um, studying the market. You, you gotta save some money. You know you gotta and and or then have someone to finance you. Know, I you know, I was blessed with a partner that helped me with half the money. I'd right, save some money and got some money from the sale of the business, so um and you put that at risk. Um find you find something that you're passionate about that you enjoy, like that green grass and the blue pool in this instance, uh I mean, look at Bradley passionate about what he's doing. Um and uh you know, you, but you, you takes a certain you can be entrepreneurial within your own division. Uh you know, an entrepreneur will have five ideas and four of them will suck and one of them will hit and, you uh, we were trying some things with, uh, with ES and some, um, some new things, you know, if you try something and fail. Just, you know, you put it out there and while the law you were out, this is the old expression that's the phone messages stack up because people are interested. If nobody's interested and you're fighting it uphill battle, you know, fight, you can't fight what they're not, they're not, they're not eating what you're feeding them, So that's an answer. Thank you
0: so much, Dad. That was, Awesome and insightful. And I think we all kind of got a glimpse into more about your story and your history and and some of your background. So, so thank you. And I just wanted to open it up for questions before we say goodbye and get into some of the content um, of our traction meeting today. But please, I mean, now's your opportunity. Ask him whatever you want. Don't pretend like he's not, you know, reef tropical owner. Pretend like he's a stranger and you just, you're just curious. Softballs.
2: So I'm curious, Claude. Um I know that you said that you wish you would have the building sooner that we have in Florida City, but um do you have any other regrets professionally? Was it like brief tropical or anything? Um, you,
1: you said I, you wish I had done the building sooner and then I didn't understand.
2: I was wondering well, I was wondering what's your biggest regret professionally when it comes to like brief tropical, something that you wish you would have done sooner or would have wished that you never did to begin with? You know, I
1: read that um commercially that, that, that that's the way to go on some landscape maintenance um there's no regrets in this industry um there's no um somebody i i envy people in the property management business a little bit because they can pick and choose and i just think that that's a a great field i just in another life i, I would have loved to try that because they just need some help so bad. um small part of our history, uh, Reef Tropical, there was um, half of the island uh, ocean reef needed um, a sewer line installed. And they didn't figure out how to hire a plumber. Hire a plumber. They had to hire a trencher. They had to abandon their septic tank. There's four or five things that had to do different trades. And we put out a, a figure. But we were we were encouraged by ORCA to, to help them. So we, we, we did a, a project management owner rep kind of thing and did 150 connections. And we charged them a fee. And we had, I had two, uh, women running that company. And I, you know, I, that was, me yeah, that was fun and exciting. But at the end of the day, I had a partner in that too. At the end of the day, he made money and we didn't. We broke even, but we helped a lot of people, older people that couldn't figure out how to do that. And I, I just, I kind of like that. So corporate management is the only envy I have, but no, am blessed to have chosen that. And, and, um, I, I, I caught us. What's different from owning? When I worked for my father, I acted like an owner. And I see a bunch of people here in the call to act like an owner. You know, so, you know I was with Mike, and Mike is looking at his pen, saying, "How much was that?" And are they walking out the door? And he's acting like that. Like that. Yeah, you know, just had like that. With my father, and I think my son acts like that, and you got to constantly question like, the greater good. You know, the team. How the team win? And then eventually, you win.
0: I, I have a question. Um, so looking back 20 years ago to today, um, was your vision of what you envisioned it would be 20 years from then, today, where you we're at now? Um, or do you still see, we have some work to do, obviously, but um, what, what what was your picture back then of today? Do you have any idea?
1: I no, I don't think that's a... The- I think the vision is just year, more year to year, um, more serving our customers. And, uh, there's, there's, the, you know, the close rate in this area. This is what's needed. This is, you know, with where we're busy. Let's pour into that, um, be able to, to offer pool and landscaping, um, everything outdoors. Um, I think my vision is, was yours shorter. Just to get from one year to the next with some growth and, and keeping your eye on the ball. Um, I don't think it is that. I can clearly see the vision of world-class pool construction and even being the best customer for service and growing that. But landscape is there's so many people, you know, in such a low cost of entry, but as a complimentary service, we have such a competitive advantage with all these pools that we do and our branding and our recognition. Again, it's just showing up and someone's going to bite at that. And if you're you're Joe in a pickup truck, you'd say, God, look at the opportunity to be tropical. <laughs> you know, so there's there's opportunity there. So vision. I don't think I set out 20 years ago to be. I remember me Brian Van Bauer and saying, wow, look at what this guy's doing. I took David to that meeting. David said that was the best meeting I've ever had. Because we talked about centerpiece of your outdoor entertainment area. And just following that, following other visionaries and getting what they were saying. You know, look at look at Al Mendoza, Look at that guy. How does the world replace those people? And I fail in comparison to, to those guys. I and mean, just like we following them, and, and, and these guys are 65 years old. Did, you know, they're still working somewhat. But how does the world you know, replace them? With Andy, with Johnny with who's backing up Al. You know, who's backing up me, this team, and my son with what we're doing. For? distribution, construction, execution plans. I'll take that to the next level. Gosh, if I could buy Andy, you know, if I had the money to take them out and partner with them and to put John Waller and him together. Can you imagine engineering in-house? Just thinking, gosh, you could get an engineer like the Ian to work for us, with us, and, and do $800 and advertise engineering. You're going to put a concrete pad in your backyard. need a permit in engineering. We do it. You know, just do engineering in-house. That would be the the irrigation, I can't find an irrigation guy. You know, I can have a license for do irrigation. Entrepreneurial thoughts there. But yeah, I gotta find, I'm not gonna go sit and take my irrigation test or pass my engineering. You gotta have an engineer who's willing to come in and work for 40,000 to make 50, to build a business, to be a partner with you, to run a division. You know, pavers, we talk about it, but you gotta find that person with ambition, with the skill, So already knowing something you have in your area, in their area. I irrigation it's an art it's a passion I love it I want to get out I want to work hard I want to make that sales call I want to partner with somebody who's got a facility like we have who's got an installed base like we have so there's still other entrepreneurial.
2: I've always known you to be like super hard working you were always the first person in and the last person out how did you manage family life?
1: I'd say I sneak in late and go home early and uh I love what Mike said. He was just like looking at his, his waking hours and trying to do 50% of it with his family. You know, should, should not, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't answer that question. <laughs> just, <kidding>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just doing that. We're just thinking a like, Claude, how many baseball games and football games did I miss? You answer it first and then I'll jump in. <laughs> well, uh, Claude's senior year in uh, Gunnery and he's in Connecticut and I made five of his eight football games in Connecticut so taking the time yeah I had my phone with me i never forget Mike Murphy uh, Tom Murphy is, had, is on his cell phone at Coastal Construction watching his son Aaron Murphy who's the youngest congressman at Palmer Trinity and he's at bat and being baseball I was just boring to sit around for you know two hours while you wait for 30 seconds of excitement and I'm elbowing the owner of the 70 year old owner of Coastal Construction now saying your son's at bat <laughs> so yes I had the phone with me and try to pay attention to watch my son, you know, dating back for the fall, for the but, you know, I, I think back to the question, you got to be there for that, and you've got to you know, stay home for that morning, go to the parent-teacher conference, but you can't go to all of them, got to know, your kids, got to know, daddy wants to be there, but i got to go to work and you get a look you in the eye at, at age 6 or 16 and say they understand, but you get to a bunch of them, special moments and get home and can we have dinner Thursday and get home, so i so you know when it's critical. Hey, i be here. My son told me last week, I don't know if you're coming down, but you can use your face in the place. So just in here. Okay. We got time for one more question.
3: Well, I was curious and, and I didn't know how to bring it into or uh, how to word it. So I'm just going to ask, what do you feel sets you apart, Todd? Because you, you've come through a long walk of life between, you know, entrepreneurship to Where you are today, and it's, I'm sure, an up and down story, a roller coaster. I'm just really curious, and any legacy or anything that we're going to, you know, steward for you, there's obviously something that sets us
2: apart from the competition. And I, what do you think it is?
1: You know, that, that, that love and caring, that um, that fault I talked about in an interviewing, seeing potential in all people is different when someone walks away, you know, she's going down Cardstone Road and I see a squirrel dead in the road. I'm like, oh man, that hurt just watching that. Um, caring, but then the opportunity, I think, caring for the customer and caring for offering the opportunity makes me a part. Resilience, I think that, that answer was really entwined with, with, with so many of these conversations that we have here this morning. Okay. Thank, Thank you for the
2: question. Can I ask one more question? I know that was supposed to be the last one. It's, it's a real simple yeah. one. Um yeah, I right. was just wondering, again, because if somebody would have ever told me that you're getting ready to retire, I would have lost that hat completely. <laughs> um what is the next transition for you? Like how is the transition into retiring going for you? are you going to be starting something different? What's what's the next chapter coming up for you? Like
1: well, driving around Melbourne and I think about uh, into something entrepreneurial and I just oh wait a minute <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> oh that's right you're 64 so everyone you just think like you're you're 28 or you're 35 you know I just think it's it's particularly you know probably 60% of my waking time is, is with the construction team you know, probably don't see myself ever not helping them working with them working remotely and and impressing them yeah. how often do you want to be there can you do this on your own letting the I mean, Josh and Jeremy have heard me so many times saying, I'm going to get hit by a bus. So getting them ready. And they get proposals out. They make mistakes. They do their thing. So it's, it's maybe doing it less and less and less. And, you know, I want to, I want to go back to some training and, and um, fitness a little bit and um, some charity work mm-hmm. and, and uh, giving money away and helping other people is something I really enjoy. So but I, I just love this customer who wants a beautiful piece of art in the backyard. I enjoy that. And and helping my my number one goal is making sure that my son uh, is successful uh, in his business and his team. So I guess it's that. That's what's next for me. I I I don't really mind this travel. I I don't. It's not. The only thing that's tough is leaving my family on Sunday night and packing a bag and getting up and getting in the Uber. and Once I go on that march, it's just like putting the one step foot from the other. And then, geez, I had three time last night. You know, I was over at the Capri and I got a, a chicken parmesan and I'm waiting for Ken to answer the text because I'm trying to drop a chicken parm off to him and I love that. You know, dropping a chicken parm to him and I had a great interview that Deb Motto set up last night. I enjoyed that talking to that young person. Too. So I'm still stimulated by that as much as I can help Motto and help Ken and help you guys, particularly help my son be successful.
0: It's too unique of an opportunity to um, to not ask a few more questions. So if Linda or Brittany, if you have a question, just go ahead and, and ask before we, we say goodbye.
2: Uh, is this, uh, I guess my only question is when you were transitioning um, from working for your father into, um, you know, really working for yourself, um, were you afraid? And if so, what was your biggest fear in that moment?
1: Good question. I never felt like I was working for my father. My father would, we used to go to Florida for three months and Fly back every you know, three weeks and I really thought I was working for myself there, the family business. And so when I was down here, what was I afraid of? Um, I mean, you're afraid of going bankrupt. You're afraid of running out of money. You're afraid of your partner saying, that's it. I'm out. You know, my partner used to tell me this is a monopoly. you to be shooting apples. This is so easy. You know, this is what Russ would say. I was like, this is not easy. <laughs> Somebody would just say, <laughs> there's competitors everywhere. You know, a guy with a pickup truck, and yeah, I'll do your pool for $90. Their competitors come in. It is not easy. So the rate of, of failure is just as you've shown up. And, you know, not living in fear because you know that the resilience, to it, showing up. You've already set yourself up that there's a lot of apples in the barrel. So I, I have a question for each of you. What are you going to do, entrepreneur, within your division and your team? And don't be afraid to fail in front of me. and Claude and others come up with four ideas three of them are going to suck and one of them is going to change this company dramatically We so try something Think think you know and, and it will be as, as gracious as we can funding it helping you trying it and you'll quickly know whether there's a market out there for it but you know looking at those routes and seeing where you can increase and, and making a sales call and making a flyer you know emailing a customer and picking up that phone and no, does anyone can come phone a phone and call anybody try ask, what this just
2: people mm-hmm. going to lose. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Um, How did you keep your, uh, I guess, your intentions pure, your heart pure throughout the process and growing, in the sense of there's a lot of hardships in the business, and um, how do you you stay true or not? Um, that just that to continue to stay focused, and mission focused and stay uh, helping uh, your employees and continue to grow the business and. In the business of, in the busyness of going home and uh, all the uh, adversities that could arise, how did you stay pure and sane and continue to um, be of good influence to everybody else?
1: I, first of all, I'm not, not pure or, or I've made mistakes and I am a sinner. We're all, all faulted and broken. So you learn from those mistakes and you feel that pain and that clearly that you're like, okay, you like, should never should have given him another chance or hire the wrong person, but uh, just every day you would to think about things that you've done and change it differently. Um, resilience, um, you know, that it's, it's the just cause and it's just over the way my father you know, raised us, you know, and just stuck to that game. He laid that foundation of hard work and integrity and resilience and, set yourself up that entrepreneurial entrepreneurs yes they're risk takers back to the game of the question within your division of risk takers but they really grind it down And I don't have all the answers what do I know about pools and landscaping I surround myself with people ask the questions know when you're challenging them and you know and then you take the risk out of it not all of it but most of it by being in the right position in the market so I wouldn't say I don't feel I don't feel pure <laughs> but working at that with integrity as best you can being able to face the music come out in the light be on this call with no freaking <laughs> prep time and living a transparent life you know yeah make mistakes and
0: they had it well it's an honor claude brewer kirschner the third one to hear you talk this morning and to share some of that insight and then also to work for someone like you and to serve alongside of you, it's it's truly special. And I think I speak on behalf of all of us. Thank you for the opportunity not only to learn and grow professionally, but to be empowered, to be creative, like you said, and to take risks and to uh, lead other people. It's truly a blessing, and uh, we really appreciate it. And just to address how it was my father and his home life. Um, it's not easy. I, I can I saw my father struggle with balancing work and and home life for sure. But he certainly, um, as my daughter's screaming my name right now.
1: Um, he certainly, hold on one second. Um, my in, in father times, did, times like this. I'm, I'm going to use this rainy day. Um, there's, there's times when there are so many orders out there. How you conduct yourself during that time to capture as many of them as you can. In times when there's no order, like hey, go home today. Just, just go home. It's raining. We're on call today and order today. In the times that like this, what do you do in the, in the tough times and the, and the abundant times to capture as much as you can? You can distinguish yourself just there. I heard last
0: night is there's there's something, a sluggard or a person who's lazy. What happens in those cases, the people that can work, but that aren't willing to, that when it's a harvest season, they will not reap. They won't be able to capture some of the things that they've done in the past. And And I think that what you just said really applies to that. But yeah, he was a great father. He showed up. He loved my sporting events. I never as a child felt abandoned or neglected by my father in any regard. So he was always there. One of the biggest characteristics he definitely had was which I don't think he touched on was always picking up his cell phone. He always calls people back. He always responds to text messages. He always checks his voicemail and he's always available to a customer, to an employee, whatever it is. If he's not, then he'll call you back. You know, he, he's available. And I think that those are certain characteristics. Sometimes people don't exude these days. And I think that's definitely been what has helped us be unique and successful because at Reef Tropical, yeah, you might you know, we might mess up with your pool, we might mess up with your landscape. And I think you guys know when we put together that mission, the VTO is that we always show up, we always return your call, we always provide you with somebody to talk to. Um, and that's certainly unique. So yeah, so I wrote some stuff down on um, save money on uh, geography and location are really important. Seeing potential in all people was a good one. Creativity, resilience, eliminating as much risk, but being willing to take risk, producing a high quality service, people who act like owners is really important. Um, lucky people are the ones that, that work hard. Uh, do it for the people on your team was another good one. Um, and yeah, I just thank you, Dad, for, for being a part of this. And thank you for your time this morning. And we'll get back to our agenda.
3: Can I super secret sneak one more in? Yeah, go I ahead. Just, a, a lot of conversation. All really great. Um, very, You touched a lot on having resilience and that it's not always easy. And there's definitely ups and downs and, and, and you have to persevere through them. but. I kind of wanted to flip the script on you. And before you left us, if you would share, um, it's not always down. There are definitely a lot of ups. And if you could highlight for me in that journey, where, where were some of your biggest celebrations? Cause I'm sure that as many times as you had hard conversation, you've had some amazing ones. And I'm just curious to know, how did you refill your cup when, when things were hard? How did you stay enjoying what you do? And, and honestly, being happy um, because you know, I honestly feel that to be successful, you also have to enjoy coming to work every day. And I know when the going gets tough, sometimes that's hard to refocus on. But just curious, what are the ups like?
1: Um, some of the you know, just hard and, and, and not counting your chips while you're sitting at the table, and then seeing you know, Juan and motto put together the uh, quick to see the performance. Um, don't you spend too much time during the month counting your chips, you know, and uh, you just concentrating on the principles that you set up and then seeing some of the rewards we're looking at and saying, wow, this is this is working. Um, and um, I having Craig Weir to give me a check for $5,000 for FCA and having um, somebody, who, I used to work on the board of the YMCA, and the YMCA is the largest chair, uh, child care provider in the world, affordable child care for hardworking single moms. And... I could write a quarter million dollar office furniture order or a million dollar pool. And yeah, you know, Josh and I don't have five and got the phone and called her and say, we got it. They so that that some of those small rewards were you know, where they, you know Cindy picks up the service with Brittany and pool we built, that's that feels great, but those sort of little those little things are, are, are rewarding, um, being a, a customer for the service division though. Yeah. This does fill my cup because is, is, uh, some of the charity work and, you know, some of the energies of the company, you know, that competitive advantage. fills me up. I, I, I've got four kids and I have an autistic daughter and I'm a disabled daughter. And uh, you, you just, when you have kids, you you raise them to, to be the best they can and this is the best that they can. You know, watching my son play sports and, you know, being, getting his doctor, you know, those, are, those fill me up too seeing how I can rise up yeah thank you a lot yeah thank you it's unique
0: to capture you in this moment of focus and being able to share with us that is, there's one thing talking about that I was reading last night and uh, it's about having a healthy practice of you know new beginnings and you know my dad it's clear that he is getting towards the age of retirement and that he has moved up to Pennsylvania and his ability to empower and entrust everybody on this call is huge. And, um, I mean, just think about it. We're literally leading conversations about mission, vision, planning goals uh, without him. So what, what he's done is it says, I am continually developing, developing people who can someday replace me with joy, faith, and lack of fear. And I think that's something my father has been really good at. There's other things that obviously, um,
1: some of our strengths and weaknesses, you know, as just being human. So dad, we love you and we thank you and appreciate your time this morning.